Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal, part 14 of N, Aliases and Prompts. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials written by Bart Bouchotts over at bartb.ie slash ttt. This originally aired as part of NoSilicast episode 453, hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Allison Sheridan, host of the NoSilicast podcast, and the other voice you're about to hear is Bart Bouchotts of bartb.ie. Well, we promised we'd keep this short. Do we have to play with the terminal again? We do, and uh, we're wrapping up with the environment this time. So we introduced the environment, we messed around with environment variables, we spent all of last week really looking at one environment variable, the path, which is really important, and then we, we sort of finished up by looking at how you make permanent changes to your environment. And then I said, oh, we can make these permanent changes to path, but we can also make other permanent changes. And so now we're going to look at two other things you might want to tinker with. So the first of these two is the concept of aliases. And really, you can think of aliases as command shortcuts. They're like little things to type, which expand out into big things. And if you come from the text expander world, that concept is going to be very obvious to you. But on the terminal, it's just command aliases. So you can't use an alias as an argument to a command. The alias is the command. Okay, so different from an alias on on the Mac, an alias is is mm. a pointer to a file. This is more like a text expander snippet. Yeah, it's a shortcut to a bigger command. And the bigger command can contain arguments and stuff, but the actual alias is just letters and numbers, and it can only be used as the first thing, you know, as the command part of a command. Okay. It can't be used as the argument part. Um, They're used actually for sort of a, a couple of different reasons. You can use them as a sort of a shortcut for a big, long, complicated command. Or you can use them as a way to inject default arguments in a sort of a regular short command. And so I thought the best way to illustrate it is with an example. So ls-l can produce very long output because it's one line per file. If you're in a folder with lots of files, maybe your documents folder, that's going to produce a lot of output. So it might actually make sense to want to run the output of ls-l through some sort of pager, like less or more. Now, this is also a slight preview of the next week's um, the, the, the next week's sort of topic, which is what I call plumbing. Uh, but in this case, the command to take the output of ls-l and run it to ls is ls-l space the vertical pipe symbol, which you will find on your keyboard. Well, actually, I don't know where you'll find it on an American keyboard. On an Irish keyboard, it's above the backslash. It is above the backs. backs ah, how do I say that? Backslash and below delete. Ah, yeah, our backslash is next to enter. That's right above enter for us. Ah, because okay. our enter is two lines, your enter is one line. Anyway, <laughs> um, so that symbol, the vertical pipe, space... Less. And that will take the output of ls minus l and run it through less. And therefore you get nice paged output. And you could alias that to simply ll, which in my mind is short for ls through less. Hang on, can you tell me how to get out of that? I've hit a bunch of keys and it's sitting there blinking saying end. Uh, control C or Q. You're in okay. less. But so. if I wanted to go down a, a row or a page uh, down or something? Up or down arrows, but if your output is less than a page long, ah, that's not going to do anything. That must be it. Control C. No, Control C is not working. Control Q is not working. Just plain old Q. Q. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so ls minus l pipe less will do that. But if you don't want to type that in, let's alias it to simply ll. Ooh. So the command to create an alias is alias. So you say alias space the abbreviation equals, and then inside quotes, 
the big long thing. So in this case, alias LL equals open quote LS space minus L space pipe space less close quote. <laughs> okay, hang on. <laughs> okay. Lucky for me, uh, I'm getting to see this as he's saying it. Gotcha. Well, okay, everyone that makes sense. follow along, I think. <laughs> yeah, single quotes. Okay. Ooh, and space is where you tell me to put them, not where you mm-hmm. don't tell me to put them. Okay. And hit return, and you won't see any output, but, but you've now created the ah. alias. So if you just type LL, it will now do that big long thing. Look how fun is that? Now, the reason I say to use uh, quotation marks is because every special character inside um, an alias has to be escaped. And so that would mean that the space would have to be escaped and the pipe would have to be escaped. So I've put down below the mess it would be (laughs) if we didn't use the quotes. Yeah, I think the quotes, the single quote thing you taught me is probably my favorite thing so far that I've learned in Taming the Terminal because I hated remembering where those backslashes went. Yeah. So I would say get into the habit of always using quotes when you're creating your aliases. It just makes life easier. Single quotes. You could use double if you like, but that would mean that your dollar sign would get interpreted and stuff. So I I tend to use single quotes just to be as restrictive as possible. Good. I want to do what you say. Yidoki. So that's an example of taking a big complex command and just making a short alias to it. So effectively, we have two commands being aliased into just LL. Uh, But we can also use aliases to add default flags to regular little commands. And a good example would be ls. (gasps) Oh, this is good. Okay. So, (laughs) Sorry, am I getting overly excited? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think it is good. So ls by default just shows you a list of files, and it doesn't show you what's a folder, and it doesn't show you what sort of files things are. It's it's a sort of a very basic listing. So at the very least, it's helpful to have the minus capital F flag which sticks a trailing slash onto the end of anything that's a folder. That's at least helpful. But it's also nice, in my opinion, to have the minus G flag, which uses colored outputs. So folders become blue, executable files become green, uh, files you can't edit become red, stuff like that, which is just handy to have. So really, every time we type ls, what we'd actually like is to type ls space minus fg, which of course we can do with the alias command. So alias ls equals single quote ls space minus fg single quote. Nice. And now, every time you hit ls, you get it in colors and with the backslashes. Okay, I gotta remember where the where the spaces do and don't go. Okay, they don't go before or after the equal sign. There we go. Okay, I got it. That's cool. Now, a small note here for Linux users: uh, minus g doesn't exist on Linux. It's minus minus color. Hmm. Okay. So for Linux users, the alias would be minus f space minus minus color instead of just minus fg. So is that like forever? If I no. reboot? No, but we'll come back to that. Ah, because we haven't put that in the environment. Right, we've just done it in this shell's Session. environment. We haven't made it permanent. Ah, but okay. before we get on to that, um, another very useful way of having this sort of default flag in, which is which some OS does actually do by default, is to inject the minus I flag into ORM, CP, and MV, which stops you unintentionally deleting or overriding files. And so you'll see a command in the show notes, alias space ORM equals single quote ORM space minus I, space CP equals single quote CP minus I, close single quote space MV equals blah, blah, blah. And that's setting up three aliases at once, which is cool to be able to do anyway. Okay, But it's aliasing all three of those commands, so that if you if you do a copy command that's going to put a file on top of another file, it will ask you if you're sure. 
Because although we don't think of copy as destroying files, you can accidentally destroy a file by copying something over something else. And normally, Bash will just assume, yeah, whatever, that's what you wanted to do, okie dokie. But it may not be what you want to do. So if you make the if you put the minus i flag in, it will always warn you before it does it. And if you want to do it without being warned, you can still overrule it with the minus f flag. But at least the alias changes the assumption. So it means that effectively you're saying that CP and RM, etc., assume you'd like to be asked rather than assuming you're perfectly happy to have the files be destroyed. Right, right. And it's a safety net. Now, you may or may not want to do this, but it's a handy safety net to have. So it's, again, an example of how you could use aliases to make life a little bit easier for yourself. Do you have it enabled that way? I don't for CP and MV, but I do for ORM. Oh, okay. Which forces me to use ORM minus F when I really mean it. And that, to what be honest, I like is as confident as you are, there's still human failure possible, right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I think it's very good, actually, to have to type the minus F to really mean it. Okay. Um, so the next obvious thing is, okay, so I'm creating all these aliases going at it like Billio. How do I know which ones exist and which ones don't exist? Ah. If you just type alias with no arguments, it will simply print out all the current aliases. Oh, look at that. I got LL and the LS is LS minus FG. Cool. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to remove one, the command is unalias. Oh. <laughs> right, so you can alias and you can unalias. So unalias and then whatever the shortcut is. And then you get back to where you were. So like you hinted, these changes will die when this terminal window dies. Because they're in our environment, but they're not in the default environment. So as soon as we create a new terminal, we'll get a new default environment and none of this will be here anymore. Right. So to make it permanent, as we learned last week, we have to add it into our, the bash startup scripts. And if you're a Mac user, that means tilde slash dot bash underscore profile. Yes. And if you're a Linux user, that means tilde slash dot bash or C. I'm all excited because I knew that one. Because when I opened yeah. my shell, it said, note, applying customizations in tilde slash bash underscore profile. Yay. Excellent. So assuming you've left the changes we made last week in place... You can now edit your bash underscore profile with your favorite editor, so VI or Nano or whatever you're having yourself. And you'll see there that in the example in the show notes, I've added in a new section, create aliases, and I've stuck in the three alias commands from above. So we save that, we do a command end to make ourselves a new terminal window, and those aliases will exist, as you can see, by typing alias, or by using one. Cool. I don't think I'll do that one live, but I'm going to do it afterwards because I want that FG thing. I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the LS minus FG is the one I have on all of my machines. Yeah, and I think that RM one, I'll probably throw that one in there, RM-I. Yeah. The RM-I is the RM-I is actually one that I put in Root's account, not in my own account, so that when <laughs> I'm Root... <laughs> yeah, that's an right? even better time to do it, right? Yeah. When you're Root, you really don't want these things to be, to, to be happening without you being really sure. So that's how I do that. Um, so that's one type of customization we might want to do, creating these little aliases. They're handy little shortcuts. Another type of customization we might want to do, and this is purely uh, sort of superficial, is we might want to change the look of the prompt. Right? It's, I actually don't do this, but you can, and it's fun to talk about. So as we, we I think I mentioned last week, there's, an there's a, a shell variable called PS1. And if you echo PS1, you'll see its current value. 
And that value determines the format of the prompt. And if you go to different versions of Linux, you'll actually find that PS1 has a different default value. So in OS X, it has this backslash H colon, backslash capital W space, backslash U space, backslash dollar. Uh, whereas, which gives you a sort of a, an OS X style prompt we're used to seeing, which is computer name, colon, folder, space, username, dollar sign. Right. Whereas if you're used to being in the Red Hat world or the CentOS world, it's open square bracket, backslash U, at, backslash H, space, capital W, close square bracket, backslash dollar, which gives you the sort of the Linuxy style open square bracket, user, at, host, space, folder, close square bracket, dollar. <laughs> Easy for th- you to say. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing to notice is that the mapping between what's in the what's in PS one and what's actually displayed is that anything that starts with a with a backslash gets replaced with something. So the obvious question is what backslash thingies exist. Now I don't have an exhaustive list because that would just take forever, but I have a list of the common ones in the show notes. So backslash little h gets replaced with the host name of your computer. So in my case, that's Bart iMac 2013 because I'm really boring. <laughs> backslash capital H is similar, but a little bit more verbose. It's the full domain name or the FQDN of your current computer. So for me, that's Bart iMac 2013.local domain. Again, I'm shockingly uh, adventurous in how I name it. <laughs> Let me ask a quick question on this. So mm-hmm. this could be handy if I'm SSH'd into another computer on my network. Mm hmm. So do I need to have this um this bash change or this change done in my environment over on the host on the other computer? You would, but what you'll find is that you'll notice that in all of the examples above they do all have the host name. So you'll see right now that your Mac oh. tells you it's on your Mac and if you Okay, but like if it didn't. Okay. <laughs> if it didn't, you would have to make the change on bash on the distant computer. Okay. Okay. Because that's the bash that's running once you SSH in. Right. Um Backslash D is the current date. Backslash T is one date format. Backslash capital T is another da- or another time format. Backslash at is yet another time format. And backslash capital A is yet another time format. So if you'd like to see the time, you have lots of choices. Backslash U is the username, which is one we've seen in lots of the examples. Backslash lowercase w is the complete present working directory. So backslash blah, 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 blah. And backslash capital W is just the last folder on the list, which is actually the one that's used almost everywhere is backslash W, because you don't really want to see the full path, or you'll have no room left for your actual commands. <laughs> the last one, then, this backslash dollar, is an interesting one, because if you're running as root, backslash dollar gets replaced with the pound sign or the hash symbol. And if you're not running as root, it's just a dollar symbol. So something you will notice in future installments when we start looking at be giving ourselves root privilege is that as soon as you get root privilege on bash, your dollar changes to a hash. And that should be a really good mental key to everyone to be careful. And that's why backslash dollar instead of dollar gets used at the end of every prompt so that it will actually change and show you that you're in dangerous territory. Hmm. And then finally, you can use backslash n if you'd like to have your prompt extend over multiple lines. You can do such foolish things. No one will stop you. So if you wanted it to say that you're Lord of all you survey or something like that, you might need extra lines? Yes. So I've given a stupid example to prove the point. So PS1 equals backslash D space backslash T, which will give us the date and time, space a dash, space username, at the full host name, colon, the full path, new line, backslash dollar. 
<laughs> and you can put that in. So if you just copy and paste that line into your terminal, uh-huh. and your prompt will change into this two-line, very, very verbose monstrosity. And every time you hit enter, you'll see that it tells you the date and time down to the second and exactly what folder you're in. So now tilde will always get replaced. So if you go into your documents folder, you'll suddenly see the effect that it has. So you're in tilde slash documents, and so you can see it building out the whole way. Nice. And you can see why I stuck the new line character in, because that's a very long prompt. (laughs) I don't think this is actually useful, to be perfectly honest, but I put it in as an example of what you could do. Now, the good news is, as soon as you hit Command-N for a new terminal, you're back to san- to sanity. Yeah, so don't maybe put that one in your path right now unless you really, really like it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> However, if you wanted to make the change, you do it in your bash underscore profile or your bash or C file if you're a Linux user. And so the last thing in there in the show notes is just one final look at a potential bash underscore profile that does everything we've talked about. So it exports the path, it does the aliasing, and then it sets the custom prompt. Cool. Now, well, this is really useful. Oh, good. So I mean, that, not to say everything else has it, but, but sometimes they get a little more excited than others. <laughs> well, the environment sounded like it was going to be pretty dry and theoretical, but actually it's turned out to be quite useful. Yeah, I would uh, agree. And just, just understanding what the path is just still makes me so happy. Just makes oh, me really happy because of how many times I tried to understand it and I was just missing some fundamental piece. So that's awesome. Excellent. So that, that is where we're going to leave the environment. Okay. And so in the next time, we're going to, we're basically going into what I call the plumbing. So I gave you the little preview with the pipe less thing today. But so the next time we're going to properly look at that, because that's actually the key to really making these terminal commands powerful. So I, I think I used the analogy of Lego in the very first installment that you have lots of these little commands that do one thing and do it well in a sort of a very Tim Reporton-style way. And the real magic happens is when you start to string them together. And the key to stringing them together is this kind of plumbing idea where you take the output of one as the input of the other or the content of a file as the input to a command or the output of a command should go to become the content of a file and that kind of thing. So you're basically, you're redirecting output and input and connecting it together to files and to commands in whatever way you want. Very cool. That sounds like fun. Yes. Oh, and it isn't. I should tell everybody something that maybe you and I have been thinking is obvious, but might not be. In uh, every episode uh, on podfeet.com, there's a link over to uh, Bart's blog post for Taming the Terminal. So, and, and I have a category for Taming the Terminal. So if you know how to get to categories on, on podfeet.com, which I'm not always clear on how to do that, but if you know how to do that, you can find all of the episodes there and you can find links over to Bart's. And if you go to Bart's, you can find links back over to the, to the uh, podcast. Yes, so we've sort of set up circular linking. Um, it, it takes a little while for the linking to get set up because he posts and then I post and he's got to post again. So. Yeah, there's a chicken and egg problem because we can't both be right from day one because both posts don't, neither post exists yet. Right, so I make you do it twice. <laughs> yeah, so, so I create the file and then I later go back and edit it. But I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit late, but I do get there. You do, you do, definitely. All right, Bart, well, that's a lot of fun. Uh, I guess we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I Yes, in two weeks' time, so until then, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartv.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartificer.net. 